Well, it's always interesting to see what's happening in other jurisdictions that are kind of like our own. Australia would be one of those. Uh, they passed new rules on Wednesday governing the use of button batteries. You know, the ones found in a lot of common household items such as toys, remote controls, watches, digital kitchen scales, uh, bathroom scales, thermometers, so on. They range from button size to bigger. The problem with them is that if swallowed, they can pose a real risk to young kids, not just choking, but the tiny but powerful batteries can burn holes in a child's throat, paralyze vocal cords, uh, fuse their esophagus and trachea together. In severe cases, burning can continue into major vein or artery, uh, into a major vein or artery, causing uh, fatal loss of blood. They can be deadly. In fact, this uh, new rule or these new rules were put in place after a child died in Australia back in 2013. Amelia Jarrett of Kids Safe told Channel 9 News in Australia what the changes were all about. Any button batteries that are sold are sold in child-resistant packaging. Um, the products which contain button batteries um, have warning labels on them, so they alert you to the fact that they contain button batteries and that the containers that contain the button batteries in the products um, have to go through a compliance process, so they're much harder um, for little people to open. That's Amelia Jarrett there. Uh, they've been called, these new rules, world first standards and a critical step in helping prevent potentially life-threatening injuries to kids. So what measures are in place in Canada? That had me wondering. And should we follow Australia's lead? Well, joining me now is Dr. Nicholas Walter. He's an otolaryngologist in the Division of Otolaryngology at Toronto Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. Uh, thanks so much for your time tonight. Oh, it's no problem. Thanks for having me, Ben. I guess it's not something we, we often think about, but those button batteries do pose a danger to small kids. Uh, how so? Absolutely. You know, I think for better or for worse, children explore the world by putting things in their mouth. You know, we see them do this with toys, with their feet, and button batteries are no different. The problem here seems to be that a button battery is exactly the right size and shape to not only be swallowed easily by accident, but then get stuck in the esophagus. And that's a problem for any foreign body. Um, but button batteries seem to be particularly problematic because once they get stuck, the esophagus bridges the positive and the negative terminal, and that allows a current to flow. And while that current isn't strong enough to hurt the child, it is what it can do is split water molecules into hydroxide-free radicals, which rapidly increase the pH to around 12 or 13. So that's like drinking liquid drain cleaner. And it's such a focal injury that even a hole can form in the esophagus. And you've seen these sorts of injuries in the past, have you not? We have, yep. We have seen them at SickKids. How frequent is it? So putting an exact number on it is quite challenging because it depends on reporting. Some studies um, looking at databases from the 1970s to about now have shown about 251 severe injuries and 65 deaths from button battery ingestions in the United States. What we do know in that time is that the frequency of severe injuries has increased over time and that since the start of the COVID pandemic, we've seen an increase here even at SickKids where we usually have about four episodes per year with a maximum of seven and this year alone, as of April, we've already had six button battery impactions. I guess oftentimes the problem is parents aren't even aware that the child has swallowed one, right? Absolutely. The symptoms are very hard to, um, to understand. Um, you know, there's often, they don't seem any different than a child with an upper respiratory tract infection. And the other problem is we've seen that about 56 to 60% of ingestions um, are unwitnessed. And from 
directly from toys or other objects in the home that have the button battery in them. Um, what, what you, you mentioned earlier, what kind of damage they can do, what kind of treatment is available? So when a child arrives with this sort of issue, what are the real keys to treatment? So once a child arrives, this is a true emergency. You know, the, the moment the battery gets stuck, the clock starts ticking and it's a, it's a, a very uh, high priority emergency to get them to the operating room. We remove, we take them to the operating room and we, re- we remove them using some cameras and special instruments. And then apply, we start applying um, acetic acid or vinegar to the area to reverse the reaction that's taking place. And these are often, I imagine, very young kids, right? It's uh, these are, as you mentioned, these are young children as a rule. Absolutely. The majority of these injuries occur in children who are under six. And in our research, we found that the vast majority of the major injuries are in children who are under three years of age. Uh, How successful is the treatment? So once um, the button battery is identified, removal um, is quite successful. The problem is the damage that's already taken place. And unfortunately, because of the reaction that occurs in the esophagus, some of the damage is ongoing. So monitoring afterwards is key. And this work done by Chris Jatana in the United States, showing that the acetic acid is uh, effective, is likely going to be a major benefit for some children. Uh, I imagine these batteries have also gotten more powerful over time. Absolutely. With time, and the um, three-volt lithium battery has become more popular. And these, you know, these batteries have a longer shelf life. They're um, able to store a larger charge. And that's probably why we've seen an increase in the severity of injuries over time. Generally, just in terms of those who you treat, uh, how do these, where do these batteries come from in the home? Where, where are they found and how do children manage to get their hands on them? Yeah. So about 60% of injury of batteries that cause injuries come from devices, most often toys, toys that light up or make sounds, but they can come from anywhere. Bathroom scales, scales in the kitchen, thermometers, Even things like musical greeting cards have batteries in them. And so it's really important to check your devices to see if it has a button battery and how it's fixed into the device. We do see new rules coming in. Um, In Australia, specifically, these were the results of a tragedy, as so often is the case. It is the result of, uh, of a lot of action by parents and the medical community there, I gather, as well as lawmakers at this point. Um, what are the rules? Le- I mean, are, are, is that a good idea? What, what what do you know about those new rules in Australia and how may they help? Yeah, the new rules in, uh, in Australia are very interesting. Essentially, what they're doing is mandating um, both safety and information um, standards. So the information standards are ensuring that things are being labeled properly and that the right information is getting to consumers about the batteries. And the safety information or the safety mandates are also quite interesting. You know, here what they're doing is um, ensuring that the devices that have button batteries have mechanisms to hold them in place. And the companies have to demonstrate that that mechanism will withstand regular use and any foreseeable damage so that the battery doesn't fall out later. In Canada, you know, we have um, identified button batteries as a hazard of concern. So Health Canada is actively watching these, and we have formal reporting mechanisms to help them keep track of these injuries. There's also voluntary um, standards to make sure that devices have um, mechanisms that are childproof. But 
I think that's where we can actually learn something from the Australian um, standards because it takes away a lot of that wiggle room um, that might help prevent injuries from happening in the first place. Have we seen these sorts of, uh, is what Australia is, what Australia is doing uh, a first of its kind? Is, is it groundbreaking? There, it's, it is, you know, one of the first of its kind. There, the United States um, passed Reese's Law in 2021, um, which also mandated um, safety mechanisms for button batteries. They don't have the same um, labeling information, to my knowledge, but um, these are both steps in the right direction. I'm speaking with Dr. Nicholas Walter. He's an otolaryngologist at Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. We're talking about new regulations uh, brought in in Australia. Uh, surrounding the safety of button batteries. It was uh, prompted by uh, the death of a child in that country, a young child who had swallowed one uh, and involved a lot of uh, work by parents and the medical community to try to bring this about. And it just essentially uh, stiffens up fines. It uh, puts in child-resistant packaging uh, requirements, as well as uh, compartments that have to be secure uh, to prevent children from gaining easy access to them. When we come back, just a bit more about what parents can look out for, uh, how you can child-proof your own home against this stuff, and also if Canada may follow suit, if Canada may be in a position to uh, to see what Australia is doing and follow along as well. We'll be back with that. My guest this half hour is Dr. Nicholas Walter from uh, Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. He's an otolaryngologist. Uh, we're talking about uh, button batteries. It's not something we talk about often, but they do and can uh, pose a real danger to young kids, particularly if they're swallowed. And Dr. Walter has been explaining why that is the reaction that happens when they get lodged in the esophagus. Um, Australia has just passed new rules uh, trying to, to clamp down a bit, or at least make, make them more secure, give parents more information about uh, what to look out for. Uh, Dr. Walter, just in terms of parents here, if we don't have these exact rules in place. I imagine there are things that parents can do here to try and reduce uh, the threat in their own homes. Oh, absolutely, Ben. So what, you know, when we think about what parents can do, we can look at it in, I guess, three different ways. One is um, the devices that have batteries. Two is having batteries in the home. And the third is what to do if you think your child has swallowed a battery. When we're talking about devices, you know, I think first and foremost, if you can, if you're buying an electronic device and you can find one that doesn't require a button battery that's rechargeable or requires a different kind of battery that's a little harder to swallow and doesn't have the same risk profile, that's obviously desirable. If it does have to have a button battery, then you want to check to see if there's options with ones that have um, child safety mechanisms that keep the battery in place. And if you are forced to buy something that doesn't have a child safety mechanism, keep it away from children, keep it locked away or up in a high cupboard and check it frequently to make sure that the batteries are, are still inside. When we're talking about having batteries in the home, you want to look for batteries that come in packaging that's childproof. So you have to actually open it with scissors. If you are going to be changing the battery, do it on a flat surface so the battery doesn't roll away and get lost where a child can find it. And if you are going to be discarding a battery, it's really important to remember that even a dead battery can cause injury. You know, it, it just a dead battery just means it's not strong enough to power the device it's in. It's still strong enough to cause a burn. So discard that battery right away. And if you, or if you can't, wrap it up in tape, either packing tape or duct tape. And hopefully that will also make it look a little less appealing to children. But we've seen in some studies that it also reduces the risk of burn. And then the last, if I may, is if you think your child has swallowed a button battery, get them to the hospital as fast as you can. You can call poison control to see which of the hospitals near you can deal with this. But the most important thing is 
to remember the clock is ticking and we have to get that battery out. There's also been some evidence to suggest that swallowing honey um, can prevent um, some of the damage from a button battery by coating it. And so currently the recommendation is in children who are over 12 months of age, you can give them two teaspoons of honey every 10 minutes, up to six times while you're going to the hospital. But neither calling poison control or giving a um, honey should delay you from getting your child to the hospital as quick as you can. You mentioned this at the beginning, doctor, but it is hard to tell. Are there any signs that a parent may be looking for to see if that may have happened? It depends a little bit on the age, but generally speaking, um, children will have some refusal to swallow or have difficulty swallowing their saliva, so they might start drooling more. They can, they can sometimes have pain or fever. Um, sometimes they'll have some chest pain or sometimes um, they'll have bleeding from their mouth, although that's a fairly late sign. I guess, though, just so we don't scare parents here, this is rare, um, but it yes. is serious. Yes, absolutely. It is quite rare. Um, you know, we see about four episodes per year at sick kids. Um, and, you know, but the main idea is it's something that we can sort of target and, and make better. Is there a way or is there a possibility that regulations here may follow what Australia has done or what the Americans have done? You mentioned that Health Canada does have uh, does have stuff in place, uh, but would it make sense for Canada and other jurisdictions around the world to, to have a look at what Australia is doing, see how well it works and perhaps follow in their footsteps? I think we would like to see something like that. Susan Bino here at SickKids has been working with um, policymakers to see what can be done. You know, I think having standards like this um, are one way to really hold people accountable and ensure that, um, you know, we are preventing these from the, from the ground up, if, if you will. Do you ever worry that it might take something as tragic as what's happened in, in America with Reese's Law or in Australia for us to move a little bit faster? That's always the fear, I think, for the, at least for the, for the lay people out here. You know, unfortunately, we have seen some um, tragic uh, events um, in Canada that have resulted from button battery ingestions. And I think that has drawn a lot of attention to the problem. Um, You know, even in our hospital alone, a bad event um, helped us organize our own response to these button batteries. And thanks to that event, in the last two years, we've substantially reduced the time it takes to get a child from the emergency department and into the OR. So good things do come from these bad events, but you're right. You know, we hope that we don't have to see too many more before something gets uh, done about it. Yeah. I I guess that is, that is on your side too. It's all about recognizing the danger, right? And that's not always obvious right off the bat. We're all learning a lot learning as we go. Absolutely. One of the other uh, issues that came up too is just that people discard these batteries and all over the place, right? They sort of, they, they're so small that they fall out of pockets and so on. So I guess parents should be on the lookout too, uh, out in parks and so on, just to make sure these things aren't lying about. Yep, that's right. About 30% of button battery ingestions that have caused injury came from batteries that were loose and in the environment. So, you know, again, discard of them right away. Um, there are places that you can go around the city um, just you just have to do a Google to see about how to um, discard them. And then if they are going to be sitting in the house for a little bit longer, wrap them in tape, either packing tape or duct tape. Dr. Walter, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for your advice. No problem at all, Ben. Thanks for letting me talk about this. It's important to us.